I, you don't think I, I'm not going to cherish this moment? I'm, you know, I'm, I will lock it in my memory bank. Coronavirus 2020. You know, we put a puzzle together yesterday. We're going to play some Monopoly today. Like, you know, you have to cherish everything. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we get so caught up in our day to day lives and we, we, you know, we're running, 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 running and we're too busy for everything. But, man, you got to slow down. You got to slow down, cherish those moments because you don't get them back. Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're in the fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father. Part therapeutic, part informative, part educational. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting to getting no sleep, to changing diapers to just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to share with you the joys, challenges, and fears of being a first-time father. So what have you been doing, man? How, how's the, the, the break and the, the social distancing? How you been managing that? You know what? It's been crazy, but at the same time, it's sort of sort of what I do normally. I mean, right. I'm sort of a, an introvert anyway. <laughs> so for me, it's, it hasn't been hard at all. I mean, also, my job was not playing about this stuff, man. Probably like a couple weeks before it actually got real, man, they were telling us no more air travel, train travel and work from home if you can. And then it was like within two or three days, it was like, okay, now you have to work from home. And this was before everything really hit. Yeah. So the NBA was serious about it. NBA.com and all them, they were serious. So, you know, I've kind of been holed up for a while now, man. So, so what do you think? I mean, where's the end game? And do you think we'll actually get a season in this year? I know they want one real bad. But I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, you know, they're talking mid-June or so. Yeah. Mid-June and before they can resume the season. But I just don't know how you get that done because, I mean, because you know, even when everything sort of eases up, there will still be clusters sort of being, you know, infected and stuff like that. And I don't know that you can safely, you know, put 20,000 fans in an, in an arena. I don't think you can – can you know guarantee that the fans would be safe so i'm curious to see how they end up doing it i think if they do come back by mid-june or so they'll start it out without fans wow and just kind of gradually increase few here few there right right i think that's how 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 it'll play out i mean because you know obviously there's still money to be made i mean let's not get it twisted for a minute this is a business yeah and there's still money to be made from the broadcast and, and things like that so you know i think that the and, and, you know, given what's happened with the NBA, with all the stuff in China earlier in the season, you know, they've taken quite a hit already. And so, you know, I think they will want to recoup as much profit as they can. Absolutely, man. But before we dive too deep, uh, Mike, let me just give you a proper introduction today on the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm joined by Michael Wright, a senior writer for NBA.com. You see him on uh, NBA TV as well. So, Mike, just kind of give folks a little introduction of your yourself and tell us a little bit about your family, man. Uh, well, I, like you said, I write for NBA.com. I uh, spent nine years at ESPN. Didn't I think we worked together for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got three kids. I've got a daughter, Nicole. She is 24. She's living in Chicago, and she is finishing up her master's at DePaul, and she actually just um, 
accepted an offer to do her PhD at Michigan State. So I shout out. That. Congratulations. Shout out to Nicole. And then my son, my oldest son, he is 20 and he is going to Texas State. I think he's a junior because he you know, he's only finishing up his second year, but he took mm-hmm. a bunch of college classes in, in high school. So, you know, he's pretty on track to graduate here pretty soon. And then I've got the 11-year-old sitting in the living room right now, I think, playing Grand Theft Auto. And, you know, that's the, that's the perfect game for a fatherhood yeah, yeah. podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, so, you know, I, I love my kids to death. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we've been together since pretty much our freshman year of college. Uh-huh. So she's been with me when we was broke. Right. We, uh, we were on WIC, all that stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's yeah, great, man. So, so, Mike, if you were to really break it down, describe to our listeners what uh, being a father means to you, what would you say? Oh, man, it, it, I would say everything, but I may have a different definition of it, though, because to me, fatherhood is sort of a, an organic part of being a husband. Hmm. And, you know, like to me, it's sort of wrong to to put all your eggs in the, in that, in that fatherhood basket. I think you should put it all into that husband basket, because if you do that, then naturally the fatherhood sort of flows out of that. You know what I mean? And also when you're doing that, it's also providing an example for your sons so they can grow up to be good men and and they can make sure that they're treating their significant other the right way, things like that, like just being an example. So you know, I think it all flows from being a husband first. And then, you know, the fatherhood stuff is just the gravy, man. That's the that's the good part of it. That, that just makes it all that much better. It just intensifies the whole marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and did you figure that out uh, immediately or how, how did that, that work for you? Who were some some examples you had maybe growing up and in your professional career that you looked and said, hey, this is who I want to, you know, pattern my approach to fatherhood after? I would say I, I would say I, I definitely was not like that from jump, you know, it just sort of took, it took me to, you know, obviously age and sort of mature because, you know, the first child was born when I was 19. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I was still a kid, want to do kid things. Yeah. So I just kind of gradually evolved, I guess, as a father. And then, you know, to be honest, uh, someone recommended that I I read this book and I believe it was called uh, For Men Only. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the author's name. I think her name is Shanti something. And anyway, I read that book and it's a very easy read, man. I'm serious. You can read it maybe in like two hours. Easy read. But it was just like that book had all the answers. And, you know, that was the thing. It was like, no, you don't concentrate so much on being a father. Concentrate on being a husband. And then if you concentrate on that, the rest of it, you know, sort of flows. And that's, that's basically what happened. I just gradually as I got older, just became more of a man. Like I said, I was a kid. And, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you want to do your own thing. So instead of being home with your son or your daughter, you're trying to be at the club. You know, know, because it's like this sudden thing that like all of a sudden now I have this kid, like, what do I do next? And so, you know, I had to mature and just, just grow and learn as a man. And then, you know, you asked about specific examples in my work. This is going to sound weird to you, but I tell him this every time I talk to him. But Woj, hmm. you, you see how hard Woj grinds. Yeah. He's always working those phones all the time. But you also see how much time he spends concentrating on being a husband and a father. 
You see yeah. pictures of him and his wife and, you know, they're out eating or he's with his kids. And Woj and I have talked about it. And I said, man, you know, that is the, the thing I learned most from being around you, Woj, is is how how much effort you put into your family. It's like you put just as much effort into into your family as you do into reporting the NBA news. And that's the thing. I mean, you see how 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 hard he's grinding at that. Yeah. He's constantly popping news. But guess what? He's also constantly being a husband and a father. Now, now, as someone who is in the business, did you ever have to adjust to you know, that that work life balance? Having you know, watch someone like Woj, who is who seems to be working twenty four seven. What type of adjustments did you have to make uh, as a father? Man, you you know what? And it's funny because I tell my kids this all the time. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what like what you've been through. They don't care that you you know you've worked eighty hours this week. They don't care that you slept two hours a night. They don't care. Yeah. All they want to know is, did you get it done? Mm-hmm. And it works that way from a professional standpoint, but it also works that way from a, the standpoint of a husband and a father too. Because at the end of the day, my kids don't care that I've covered you know three games in four nights. They yeah. don't care about that. My wife doesn't care. You know, my wife, when she wants her time, she wants her time, regardless of what I've been through. And so, yeah, you you definitely, you, you just have to learn to to really put forth a lot of extra effort. And sometimes, man, that means you got to drink a Red Bull before you go out to family dinner, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or have a cup of coffee or, you know, when you get home, like sometimes I get home and I've been, you know, on the road for a long time. I get home, the wife's got dinner cooked and she's ready to spend family time. And the first thing you want to do is lay down and take a nap. Yeah. Nope, you better go brew you some coffee. Yeah. Brew you some coffee and, and, and get that time in with the family. Because, you know, ultimately we can't we can't get this time back and, you know, doing working in this profession over the years, you know, you miss so much. You know, you miss so many first days of school. You miss football games, you know, basketball games. You miss, you know, just days where these kids might get an award at school. And so, you know. Having missed so much already, if I'm here and I'm present where like I can do it physically then I'm not going to, you know, miss out on those opportunities, man. That's great. Mike, I want to go back to the beginning of your, your fatherhood journey. You kind of touched on it a little bit uh, earlier. You, uh, your daughter was born when you were 19. So tell us what that experience was like becoming a dad when you were essentially still growing up yourself. Oh, it was crazy, man. Um, I guess, okay, like the day she was born. I mean, this is the day she was born. I wasn't even there at the hospital because I had a football game that night. You know, I played football at West Texas A&M. And, you know, so anyway, she's born, uh, the mother's in labor or whatever. And I'm like, I can't come. You know, I got a game. And so I play in the game because she was actually born on the day of the game. Mm -hmm. So I play in the game and, I mean, I go to the locker room, shower up, and I hit the road to drive four, four hours back home to be with my daughter. And, you know, it was like all of a sudden, life just totally changed it was you know okay now i gotta buckle down and be a dad and it was like i don't know how to be even though you know i my mom and dad to this day are still together but you know when you're 19 years old and you have a child you don't know you have no idea what to do you know like okay how am i gonna make this work i play football and i'm on scholarship so i can't work and, you know, so it, it was just all kinds of things going through my mind. 
And, you know, ultimately, you know, it, it worked out. And, you know, that's one of those things, like one of the things about being a father and I tell like new fathers, like when people ask me for advice, I'm like, bro, just you got to understand that you don't have it figured, figured all out. You won't have it figured out, but you will figure it out as yeah. you go along because it's a journey. And so that's sort of what, what, what happened, you know, is just as I've gotten older, I've just kind of learned how to handle being a father. So when my 20 year old was born, OK, now I sort of had it all together. But you know what? I found out just, just kind of thinking about it over the years. I didn't have it all together then on the second one. <laughs> I didn't, uh, you know, again, because when he's born, I'm like 23, 24 and same thing. You know, I'm still trying to have fun. You know, I just got my degree just starting in the profession. I get my little six hundred dollars a week or whatever. But that's the most money I ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm trying to kick it and have a good time. And then, you know, finally, when the third one was born, okay, now I'm in my 30s and I, I can afford to actually have a baby now. And but I'm older and I'm a lot more chill because, you know, as you as you age and I don't know, I don't know about you personally, but me, you know, I was this fiery dude. You know, I was a dude that wasn't going to take no mess. You know, we can fight out in the street right now, whatever. But then as you get older, you kind of mellow out. It calms and, down. Yeah. And, and I yeah. think. I think the babies help you to be that way. You know, they sort of bless you with some patience and things like that, because I was a lot more patient with the third one. If you compared it to the first two and, you know, so like, you know, his brother and sister are always like, Oh, you're so soft on him. I'm like, no, I, I was just younger when you guys were, yeah. were, you know, coming up and, you know, so I've mellowed out. That's all that is. And so yeah, it's, <laughs> it's amazing, man. It's so, amazing. Yeah, man. Having kids early on, Mike, um, and, and like I said before, I mean, you're growing up too. I mean, you're still in college and then in your early 20s. What were some growing pains you experienced um, as a young father um, with your, your first two kids? I was too hard. I was way too hard on them early on. And, you know, I think because because obviously I didn't know what I was doing, but I was sort of following the example that my father said. And my my dad was tough on me, man. I mean, it was, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, because my dad was a Marine. He fought in the Vietnam War and everything. And it was yes, sir, no, sir. And, you know, respect for your elders, uh, A's and B's academically, and straight A's in conduct. Because my son, I mean, my dad would tell me, he's like, you know what? You might be the dumbest kid in the world, but you ain't going to come home with F's in conduct. You gonna right. have days. You can at least sit your butt down and be quiet in the classroom. And so it was like that. I was like really hard on them early on. And I mean, seriously, man, like to the point where my wife and I would have arguments about how how tough I was raising them. Mm. And so eventually I just I learned to lighten up. And I learned that the things that may have worked for my dad when he was five, when, he, when he was parenting me, they don't necessarily work for me as a parent parenting my, my kids. Because, you know, like I said, I can like like as hard as my dad was on me, I could get the same results with my with my kids without having to pull out the belt. Yeah, necessarily, you know, or, you know, basically having them scared to death of me. You know, I, I can achieve those same results without 
using the same methods that my dad used. And so that, you know, that's basically what, what, what it was. Like I was really hard at first. And then again, as I got older and sort of mellowed out and just, and then just started to realize it, you know what, these, first off, these kids are way smarter than you think they are. Yeah. Yeah. Second yeah. off, they'll, 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 you know, they'll, they'll listen as long as, as long as you are constant with, you know, with whatever your messaging is and things like that, they're going to listen to you. Was there a light bulb moment, Mike, or, or something you can point out and say, okay, this is the, the moment that I remember that made me look at things differently, like you were just talking about? Mm, I would say probably the first time we moved. Mm-hmm. And when I say moved, I mean, like, when I started my career in journalism, you know, I started in my hometown. And, you know, I was the guy that said, you know, I'll never come back here again once I graduate, blah, blah, blah. And here I was stuck in my hometown for five, the first five years of my career. Yeah. And, and, you know, so we had our family around and everything, all our friends, all our family. And then so we moved to Newport News, Virginia in 2004. And that was just it was culture shock because we're from Texas. Wasn't used to that East Coast beat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were, you know, and so we we didn't have our support system. We didn't have any friends, nothing. So it was just the wife and me. It was just us. And it was like, we, we all we got. And so that was the eureka moment. Like, okay, now it's real. It's just us. And we have nobody that's going that can help us. And I'll be honest with you, dude. Like that first, the first year we had Thanksgiving, in Newport News, Virginia, mm-hmm. we could we couldn't afford like a real Thanksgiving. Like we right. bought we bought turkey legs and stovetop stuffing. And if you black, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's you know. So we struggled together, and I think that is what really sort of you know kind of it, it just it turned that light bulb on. Like, okay, look, I'm what 26, 27 years old. I don't want my kids struggling like this. Right. Like, you know, what can I do to sort of help to alleviate, you know, just to, to keep to keep him from going through some of the same things I did. And so, you know, so that's sort of what the, the goal and the, and the aim is now, you know, like my 20 year old now, I'm like, dude, um, like he was living in the dorms his first year of school. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, you live 30 minutes from school. What are you doing? Like, bro, like you don't want to get out of school and be twenty, thirty thousand dollars in debt, man. You don't want that. And so I was like, bro, just move back home. You know, move back home and just commute. And so he did that. But like again, that's one of those things I'm I'm trying to prevent him from going through some of the thing, same things that I went through. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Talking to Michael, so you write today on the Fatherhood Podcast. And Mike, essentially you have, you know, you have an older set of kids and then you have your younger your son who's uh, 11. Um, how, how did, you know, being a young father, how did that help you? And do you notice any differences in your approach to your younger son? You kind of touched on it a little earlier, but what was some, how did that prepare you for being a father again to, uh, with your younger son? Bro, I was I was just ready for it. I was yeah. like, first off, yeah, yeah, I was ready. Like, okay, I remember being scared to death when the first two were born, and so and like so when when you get the news I'm pregnant, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? Yeah, like, it was like it was like that the the first two, and so the third one was we it was totally unexpected, totally unexpected. But then the wife, I remember I was coming home from covering the Houston Texans game in Houston. It was when I was living in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I get back home 
and my wife, I, I go back, I, I go back to her job to pick up my son, the 20 year old. I went to pick him up from, from her job to take him home with me to watch him or whatever. And she hands me the, the pregnancy test. And I'm like, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking it's like a, a, you know, a thermometer. One of the things you put yeah. on, like, to check your temperature, you put it in your mouth or whatever. I'm thinking that's what it is. And she gives it to me. And I'm like, and I see the plus sign on it or whatever. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. and I was like excited, man. Like I yeah. was, I was thrilled. I was like, yes. But, you know, to be honest, I was hoping we'd have a girl. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, we got a chance to have a girl finally, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, you know, so when this, the third one came along, I was just so ready because I was, you know, I was in a much better place financially, um, you know, just like the career was was going how I wanted it to. And I was just sort of ready to have another one, you know, because, you know, when, when you're a father and it's funny, man, this is going to sound really weird to you. But like when, like, for instance, I go out of town for a long time, say I'm gone for a couple of weeks or whatever. I come home. My kid got taller to me every time. I'm like, dude, how'd you get you? You grew some while I was gone. Like, but I mean, I know that's probably not really, it probably didn't happen that way, but that's what it looks like to me. So again, it's like I was saying before, like, so you're like, golly, I got to make sure I cherish all these moments. Like my 11 year old now, I'm like, dang, man, I remember when you were like two, man, I wish you could go back to being two again. It was yeah. so fun. You know, it was so fun to have you as a, as a kid. And now, you know, because he's getting older, his voice is getting deeper. He's playing football now. He's got a little swagger to him now, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, man, what happened to the little baby, the little adorable baby that we had? And so, like I said, it, so when the third one was born, I was just so excited. I was just totally ready to be a dad again and to start over. And, you know, I knew I would be a lot more patient. And, you know, because there were times, man. <laughs> my wife and I talk about this. Like my 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 older son, back in those days, Nintendo sixty four was what was popping. Yeah, yeah. And so we would be at my crib. All my boys would be at the house too. We all be in there playing video games, loud, probably drinking beer, or whatever, doing what we do, talking mess. And I remember one time my wife came out the room with my son. And she just threw him on my lap in front of all my friends. (laughs) And my wife is not that type that will, you know, do something in front of company. Yeah. But on this day, like, she couldn't get him to stop crying or whatever. So she just threw him in my lap. And all my friends was like, oh, it's time to go. (laughs) It's time to go. And, you know, like, so, like, when they were, like, my first two, when they were really young, they cried a lot. And there would be times where I would put them in the crib and just shut the door because it would be driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. And then the, the younger one, he was just the easiest dude in the world. Like he hardly ever cried or anything. And so, you know, again, I'm ready for, for the crying. I'm ready to go through all the stuff. But the little one was he was just so much easier, easier than the first two, even though I was totally ready for him to be you know tough to deal with. And so, you know, like I said, I, I just was older. I was a lot more mature a lot more patient because of, you know, some of the things that I had gone through with the other two as well, you know, because if you had, like, if, if you're a dad that spanks them kids ass, bro, there's going to be times where you, where you feel like you went too far. Mm-hmm. And then when it's all said and done and babies in there, the, the kids in there crying and stuff, you'll be like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. 
Yeah. You'll be saying it to yourself. And, you know, I had way too many of those types of moments when I was a young father. And so when I became a father in my 30s, it was like, all right, let me right some of those wrongs. You know, like I can talk to him. I don't have to do, you know, I don't have to bust his butt. And so, you know, I just, as you, like I said, you just, it all depends on when you become a father. When you're young, yeah. it's tough, man. It really is. Yeah. That's that's great, man. So now you have two kids who are essentially young adults. I mean, one is in, in both of them in college, and you have a, a younger younger son. So how do you balance the two? Do you have to parent different for your your, your young adults um, in comparison to how you deal with your your younger son? How do you flip the switch? How do you know what approach to take with 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 both sets? Well, it's well, you know, it's different because obviously, you know, like the eleven year old, he is not going to survive without me. You know, he needs me. Now, my older ones, you know, they're, like you said, young adults and they're sort of, you know, starting their lives and doing their thing. And so, like, with them, it's kind of more of, you know, hey, you know, I'm always here for you, you know. Right. And if you want to run something by me, if we want to, you want to talk about stuff, like, for instance, you know, and my, and my kids joke, the two older ones joke about it all the time, but like, so my daughter would like send me one of her papers she was working on in college or whatever. And then, you know, the old my older son would be like, you know, you shouldn't send that to dad. You know, how it's going to look when you get it back. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, and it's funny because now like they, the older ones joke on me all the time about like just stuff I do. And, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, with them, it's just kind of being more of, of just a, a, a support system for them. Like, okay. Like my daughter, she's telling me about the, you know, like with this coronavirus stuff, how like she just started or she just took this new job, but now they're telling her she can't start for however long and she's worried yeah. about bills and all that stuff. So, you know, I immediately just in the middle of the conversation, Venmo or some, some money or whatever. And she's like, oh, dad, thank you so much. You know, this is going to come in so handy or whatever. But like, so it's that like, okay, now I just got to be a support system. And if you want to talk to me about like issues, things that you're going through, we can have those conversations. Now, the youngest is more of, you know, I'm actually trying to raise him and, and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, just just establish a foundation for him that he can kind of lean on and, and and just trying to teach him the way to that he can grow up to be a better man than me, because, you know, all of us as fathers, we all tell our kids how we want them to be better men than us. And yeah. it's true. It's true. I want my kids to be 10 times better than me in yeah. everything. Yeah. And so, you know, it's that, you know, with him. Yeah. Yeah, man. With, with those conversations you kind of touched on that you have with your daughter, um, how do you navigate those with your with your young adult kids, those those real life situations that they may encounter with your daughter being a young woman, some of the things she may have to deal with and, and with your son, um, some of the real life scenarios that he may encounter as a minority? I think you got to be real with them. I mean, and then those conversations are are sort of different for me and my kids. And I say that because um, like I'm half black and half Filipino. I'm mixed. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're mixed, you know, they're white, black and Filipino. And so like with my daughter, you know, like when she was going to school in Michigan and high school or whatever, you know, that like the school she went to was predominantly white. And so all her friends were white. And she yeah. would hang, you know, so she's hanging around, you know, all these, these, you know, white girls or whatever. And I would sort of have to tell her, like, look, Nicole, 
I love you, but I want you to be prepared for this. There's going to be a moment in your in your young life where you're going to be made to feel like you're less than because of because of your ethnicity. It's going to happen. You hang around a lot of white people and I know you feel you feel accepted, but there's going to be a time where they're going to make you feel like you're less than. Be ready for it. You have to have those conversations with them. Um, you know, just same thing with my my older son. I have to have those conversations with him. And, you know, like with with me growing up being mixed, it's like. You ain't black enough to be accepted on that side, mm-hmm. but everybody else sees you as black. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's sort of a double edged sword type thing. And so I have to have those types of conversations with them. You know, like it, it's more than just, you know, what to do if you're encountered by the police. It's, you know, hey, look, you know, these dudes that you play ball with, they gonna think that you're less than because you don't look all the way black. You know, you know, you have to have those kinds of conversations with them. And yeah. so it's 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 I think it goes deeper than the normal conversation that, that, that you sort of have to have as a father with your children. But, you know, it's just sort of teaching them to sort of navigate it, like navigate it from the standpoint of, you know, you probably won't be accepted either way. Right. But that doesn't make you any less of a person. You know, you still you're still you know, you still a young king, son. Or you're still a young queen, daughter. Yeah, You're still all that. So, you know, just don't let these people get you down. But I'm just letting you know you are going to deal with this at some point in your life. Yeah, that's that's great, man. So, so Mike, as someone who, you know, grew up playing sports, played on a collegiate level, now makes a living, a living uh, covering sports, what, what lessons, if at all, have you taken from those experiences and, and applied to father? And how do those how are those intertwine, if at all? Uh, I, well, they intertwine because I, I like I coached both of them. Um, you know, I, I coached my oldest son in football when we Uh-oh. lived in Chicago. <laughs> and so the youngest one I'm coaching now, and I did not want to coach. Trust me, I did not want to coach. But I was that dad that would be chilling in the car the whole practice, kind of watching from the car. Yeah, and you'd see stuff, and you'd be like, "Wait, wait, wait! This is not right. Let me teach you the right way to do this." And so I go out there and the next thing you know, the coach is like, oh, man, you know a lot about football. Like, come coach with us. And so now they wrote me in the coaching. So I, I definitely coach him. And, you know, it's weird because as his dad, I try my hardest not to really uh, coach him out there on the field. Like, for instance, he's a receiver. Mm-hmm. And so I don't deal with him on offense. I coach the defense. But he also right. starts for us in safety. And so that's tough sometimes, you know, but the thing is, I'm going to be on his butt harder than I will be the rest of his teammates. I mean, sometimes his teammates all say that to him, like, why is your dad so hard on you? It's just I don't want there to be any any type of, you know, I don't want you anybody thinking I'm calling my son or I'm giving him preferential treatment or anything like that. So, no. yeah, but I'm going to be really tough on him. So, yeah, they do intertwine that way. And then some of the stuff. You know, and, and this is great. Like sometimes my teammates, my old college teammates will, will come visit or whatever. And then they'll meet my oldest son and they'll be like, man, you know, your dad, man, like I wish I'd have been like him. And then my son, you know, he's like, oh, what do you mean? And then they're like, well, you know, we'd be about to go to the club and everything. And Mike would be sitting there studying and mm-hmm. we'd be like, oh, yeah, we go into the club. And Mike is like, nah, I'm chilling. I'm studying. 
And so, you know, one of the things I tell my kids, all I tell them all the time is that do the things that you got to do right now so you can do the things that you want to do later on. And so that is a perfect example of that. You know, I'm 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 grinding, busting my butt in the classroom and the club is just one night. I can skip that because the club is going to be there. I can skip that grind and make sure my grades are right. And now I can go into the career I want to go into, you know, things like that. And I tell the kids that all the time. Do the things you have to do now so you can do what you want to do later. That's that's great, man. Great, great advice. Mike, I'll get you out of here on this last question, man. Um, someone who covers the NBA, obviously, you, you know, you were affected by Kobe Bryant's untimely death. So just talk to our listeners a little bit about how that affected you, uh, maybe professionally, but but most importantly, um, how did it impact you uh, as a father? Man, as a father, it it, it just reinforced, it, it sort of just reinforced what I, what I already believed. And that is that you've got to make every moment count. You got to cherish every moment. And, you know, like I think about this, like even like back when I was playing, playing ball, I remember how the grass smelled. I remember how what it looked like when you're laying back stretching and the sun is like in your face and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like you remember all those moments. Well, you've got to be the same way about your children. Remember those things because you know what else? Those kids remember it just like you remember. It. And yeah. you know, thank God, like as 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 a dad, like my like my kids actually like hanging out with us. Like it's you know how like when you get older as a kid. Like you start to become too cool for your parents. I'm too cool to do this. Too cool to do that. My kids are not. They want to hang out with with the wife and me. They they love hanging out. And so with them being that way, well, guess what? We've got to cherish every moment. Like when we get off this podcast, I believe they are in there setting up Monopoly on, <laughs> on in the in the dining room right now, and they know I'm about to cheat because that's what I do. <laughs> right. But we got the cheaters edition. But um, so, but anyway, I, you don't think I, I, I'm not going to cherish this moment? I'm, yeah. you know, I'm a, I, I will lock it in my memory bank. Coronavirus 2020. You know, we put a puzzle together yesterday. We're going to play some Monopoly today. Like, you know, you have to cherish everything. And you know, sometimes you know we get so caught up in our day to day lives, and we we you know we're running, 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 and we're too busy for everything. But man, you got to slow down. You got to slow down cherish those moments because you don't get them back that that is what i took out of kobe because man look 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 at how devoted he was to his daughter and how much time he spent with her whether coaching her traveling with her at games things like that i'm sure like if kobe could talk right now he would probably say the 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 regret he might have is that maybe he didn't cherish every single moment with gianna i'm not saying that's what he would say but i'm just saying that you know, that's how important that is. And to me, his death really reinforced that in me. That's great, man. Mike, thank you so much for, for joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast. Before I let you go, man, tell people where they can read your stuff, how they can get in touch with you. I know this is kind of a downtime for you, but just kind of let people know where they can uh, where they can get into contact with you. Yeah, it's easy. You can hit me up. I mean, uh, NBA.com is where you'll find all my stories. Um, and on Twitter and Instagram, the handle is the same. Uh, Mike C. Wright. Easy. All right, my man. Thank you for joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast. All right, my man. You have a good one.
I want to thank my man Michael Wright for joining me today on the podcast. And always, thank you for listening. You can find the Fatherhood Podcast on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. On social media, be sure to like the Fatherhood Podcast page on Facebook and follow the Fatherhood Podcast on Instagram. Until next time, thank you for listening. I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is the Fatherhood Podcast.